Welcome to the DGR Podcast. I'm your host, David Gray. Hello guys, David here. Welcome back to the DGR podcast, the greatest podcast in the history of the world. I am now a married man. I am a little bit sniffly after our our wedding, I won't say wedding day, our wedding week. I'm back on the podcast train today. I wasn't going to do the podcast. This is episode 30, actually. I wasn't going to do the podcast this week, but we had done 30 weeks or 29 weeks in a row. And I knew, I was like, oh, I'm just going to do it because I knew that uh, I'd look back and be like, okay, if we did 100 weeks, 100 podcasts in 100 weeks, I'd look back and and look at this episode or look at this gap that I didn't do in this week and I'd regret it. So I'm just going to get it done and I'm going to answer a couple of questions, a couple of good questions, I think. So don't, hopefully it doesn't sound like I'm just doing it for the sake of it, but um, I'm just making sure that I, I actually do get it done, answer a couple of questions and um, hopefully there's a bit of value there for you guys as well. I'm going to answer two questions, I think. Uh, the two questions are, one is about uh, belief. It's kind of a follow-up to the chat I had around with John Coyley on episode i don't know a few episodes ago which was one of our best episodes so far i think um and it's kind of belief and if instilling confidence and belief is the main thing for an athlete then does biomechanics matter that much or does what makes up a training program even matter that much so we'll answer that and then we'll answer one around improving ankle dorsiflexion and kind of different ways and i'm going to talk a a lot about flexion in general there and um kind of dive into that and give you some principles to think about there uh so those are the two questions so won't go on for too long i'm a little bit sniffly my voice is a little bit uh not as good as it should and i haven't got them new microphones that chris uh coach chris was telling me to get so i will be getting them hopefully soon as well so the audio quality will be improving um with regards to the wedding it went very very well i don't think there was anything really i would have changed um we had about 140 people there all our best friends and family uh in one room together and we got the weather the weather was absolutely perfect i woke up that morning and i couldn't sleep in the bed with kira the night before because we're very traditional in that way uh even though we've been in bed together for for yeah that sounds bad but for like 10 years now the night before the wedding you can't sleep in the same bed so i woke up and it was bucketing down and i looked at the forecast and it said lashing rain until 2 p.m and the ceremony was at three and for once the weather was actually spot on so the weather the weather app was spot on by the time two o'clock came the sun just came out and we had like two days of complete sun after that so it was brilliant and uh yeah everything went well except for probably my speech i didn't i didn't love because i'm used to public speaking and stuff like that i had a false confidence going in that uh i didn't have to write my speech down and i just had like four bullet points on my phone and um like i I did best man speech at my brother's wedding and i had a few bullet points and i spoke for 45 minutes and it was a honestly it was a pretty good speech like there was it was it was funny and all that stuff people liked it i didn't i didn't expect to go on that long but i was trying to gauge the room and um i roasted a lot of people in it so that was good fun and i was like oh i'll be able to just do the same now that it's my wedding i'll have my own speech and blah 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 blah. bad idea because i just like i just didn't say half the things that i thought i should have said i had kira's mother her name is kitty and in my speech she was kind of sitting just almost across from me kira's mom Kira's dad died a couple of years ago and there was a bit obviously a bit emotion around that and I was 
kind of going through my speech and I came to the bullet point that literally just said Kitty, nothing else that I was like, what, I hadn't thought or through what I was going to say. And I just looked at her, Kitty, said the word Kitty, read it off my phone and just kind of started blubbering and crying and then turned away and then moved on. So like I never said anything um, about Kitty or anything like that. And I did that with a few of the other bullet points as well. So, um, so yeah, my false confidence led me into a, a big trap there and uh, it didn't work. It didn't work out too well. But um, apart from that, that's probably the only thing I would have changed. Everything else. Absolutely. Absolutely. Excellent. Um, my tux. Yeah, it was my, my jacket from my tux. I felt was a little bit boxy. Um, maybe it was just kind of the way I was holding myself or I had my hands in my pockets of my pants and stuff like that, but I felt like it was a bit boxy. So it looked better. I think when the jacket button was open, but when it was closed, it was a little bit boxy. So, um, so yeah, I would have probably, I don't know. I would have, I would have done something with that if I could. I was going to go for, uh, like, uh, what, what's your man in the Formula One? We were talking about him. Oh, I can't think of his name. He used to, he used to be a driver. Um, but he wears like the linen pants and the linen jacket and all that stuff. I was kind of, when I was trying on suits, I was looking and I was like, well, I just go for something different altogether. And, um, I did, I didn't, when I saw David Beckham's son getting married, I don't know which one got married, but one of his sons got married and, uh, I saw the picture of all of them in their tuxes. So Beckham, David Beckham and all his sons in their tuxes, this is a couple of months ago. And we were trying to figure out what, what suit I'd wear. As soon as I saw that picture, I rang here and said, I'm wearing a tux. So the tuxes went well. I was in like a, a Navy tux and all the groomsmen then were in black tuxes. So, uh, Navy and black, I, people say they don't go together. I think they went together pretty well. And I just stood out from them just a little bit. And, uh, yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting the pictures back and the videos and the videographer and all that stuff. I, I can't wait to see that because you'd be surprised at your own wedding, uh, how much you, how much you actually miss out on. So. That was the wedding. Um, and the cool thing, actually, one of the cool things, one thing that I really appreciated, which is kind of separate to the wedding is we sold some products. We sold programs. We weren't very active on Instagram or anything like that. Uh, I had a few posts that were kind of scheduled and done and I put them up, but like we were able to sell products. We sold memberships. We sold two or three annual memberships the day before and the day of the wedding. Um, we sold programs and all that stuff. And our revenue didn't drop that much over the, the week that we, that we got married, even though we had like very little content at all going up. And I think that's a testament to probably the work that we've put in over the last couple of years that actually it's getting to the stage where it's, it's kind of, it's, it's a business. It's trying to get towards being a business rather than just this kind of, just this Instagram account that promotes stuff. Um, so yeah, so that was, that was cool. That's something I've been worried about all the time all, for years now. Not worried about, but aware of that. Like if I don't post something, will I sell anything? Will I make any money? Which in the long run isn't obviously a great strategy. It's just like every day you have to keep posting stuff to make money. But, um, but yeah, we, 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 we made some, we made some money and we didn't, our revenue didn't drop that much over, over those two days. So that made me feel super comfortable and, um, confident in where we are going forward. And I think maybe the podcast was part of that because people are listening to our podcast all, all the time anyway. And then they're signing up for memberships and stuff like that. So. That was very, very cool to me. And um, yeah, I was just very grateful that that was, was the case. And the, the membership site has kind of really taken off uh, recently. We've got a ton, new ton of new people in. So if you're one of those, thank you very much. And um, it's not, your support does not go unnoticed. And hopefully the value that 
we get from or the, the hopefully the price we pay, the value that we return is like tenfold in that membership site. So thank you very much for that. Um, what else? The Florida workshop we announced it on our, onto our um, email list yesterday, and we I woke up and we'd sold four tickets overnight. So we've four tickets already sold to uh jeff's jeff's venue the flexible in clearwater in florida that's at in uh first first weekend of september i think so if you're on the email list make sure you look there we haven't released it on it to out to the public yet and it might sell out on our email list i'm not sure um so i'm pumped for that because now at least the the trip is kind of paid for like the yeah so i i don't even care about making money on it i just want to make sure that we provide a really good event for those people that are coming and we have like four cool people coming already they're cool people that probably could run the workshops themselves so um so yeah that's been that's exciting that's really good um okay first question improving ankle dorsiflexion uh do you like the frc end range contraction way to do it so the way they bring kind of go into half kneeling or in standing and, and pull their knee over their toe and start to like pull as hard as they can using pails and rails so using like um using passive range or not passive range sorry i won't um using end range contractions on either side of the joint to kind of try and play around with that and the typical one you'll see with ankle dorsiflexion with frc functional range conditioning people use is where they go into half kneeling they push their knee over their toe and then they're trying to basically use all the stuff at the front of the ankle to pull themselves forward as much as possible um, into more and more and more ankle dorsiflexion uh, that's one that you'll see. And then they might do a lift off where like they, they get into as much of that as they can. And then they lift their foot off the ground. Um, and they're trying to like pull, pull the toes as close to the shin as possible. So that kind of a way. Um, do I like it? I think it's fine. I think to understand ankle dorsiflexion, actually to understand flexion, right? If we understand flexion, what uh, the simplest question I can ask people when, when it comes to this is, what is it the best flexor in our body? And people will come out with like hip flexors, um, ankle flexors, abdominals, all this stuff, right? So, but what is the best flexor by far in our body is gravity. So if you turn off all the muscle tone in, in your body, um, muscles just decide that they can't work anymore, then we would crumble to bits into the floor and it would be flexion everywhere, right? So spine, knees, ankles, hips, all this stuff would flex, right? So we have a lot of, um, we have a lot of muscles in our body that are kind of acting as you might, you might think of them as like anti-gravity muscles to try and hold ourselves up, right? So if we want flexion at the ankle, more flexion, more ankle dorsiflexion, then I think trying to pull ourselves into more ankle dorsiflexion isn't the best way to go about it for a few reasons. One, we're actually, we're actually fighting against the, the, some of the extensors. So like you're trying to drive your shin forward. The quads might be still on. They're trying to fight you. You're trying to pull using like tibialis anterior, um, at the front of the ankle, all of that stuff. And really the best way I know how to improve ankle dorsiflexion is to get the foot actually moving so that the bones can kind of spread 
pronation can happen or the, the some kind of the foot can begin pronating and that gives room for the shin to kind of fall forward and that's a gravity movement that shin just dropping forward the calcaneus doing an anterior tilt the midfoot kind of dropping down and now there's space there's space for the shin to drop forward when we get into that position, Neil, again, a half kneeling or a knee to wall test, what you'll see is that the foot doesn't move at all. And people tense up a lot of the front of the ankle. They try and pull themselves forward. You'll, you'll see that the, the rear foot, the heel doesn't do an anterior tilt at all in that instance. And the midfoot won't move or anything like that. And they'll start to grab down into the toes. So if you grab into the toes, that's like a, that's an external rotation. That's a, um, that's a supination. I'll just call it. That's like a supination movement and trying to like pull yourself forward like that. That's a supination movement as well. So you're actually trying to train dorsiflexion and supination together, which is, which is a lot of the people that run into ankle impingements and, and blockages and stuff like that. That's what they're already doing. They can't get their knee forward because their midfoot and their, their, their whole foot is so stiff. So they're just running into a blockage all the time. So I find that the best way to improve ankle dorsiflexion is to let gravity do it for us. And that's why I talk about the shin all the time. Gary Ward kind of has spoken about that in terms of um, gravity being that flexor for us. But I've kind of tried to really emphasize that and how I coach this stuff where I, you hear me talk about the shin, let the shin move, coach the shin. Um, you might need to do it with your hands on. You might need to, you, you hear me talking about like a karate chop at the back of someone's knee to let their knee go forward. And that, if you can do that with the least amount of tone possible, then you will get gravity to just let the shin drop forward. You will start to see pronation and ankle dorsiflexion improve so quickly. And you won't need to keep doing these drills all the time because I guarantee you the people who are doing these end range hard contractions, not that there's anything wrong with that. Like you can build strength there, but I guarantee you they need to keep doing it again and again and again all of the time because they never actually taught bones to move. They're just trying to kind of pull themselves more forward in that end position so if you can let that shin drop you're going to get that little gentle bit of tibial internal rotation come with it you're going to actually mobilize the calcaneus you're going to get the midfoot to drop you're going to load the foot you have your pronation and your dorsiflexion together and if you try and pull yourself forward it will it will rarely ever translate into more ankle dorsiflexion in my opinion because you actually you're, you're getting your knee further forward but i bet you if you look closely at those people their heel is actually not on the floor anymore when they do it um are certainly not heavy on the floor when they do it and that's a plantar flexion they're actually getting a plantar flexion intent through the floor because i bet you their their toes are pushing down they're trying to plantar flex them and push them back out of it again so People, people definitely could argue with, with some of that stuff that I've said and say like, no, this does improve my ankle dorsiflexion. And it will, like there's loads of ways of, of doing it. So I'm not saying like, this is the only way or anything like that. And you could easily break down what I'm saying there and say, no, you're wrong because of this, this and this. I, 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 I wouldn't argue, I wouldn't argue with that until we could actually get someone like into the gym or into clinic with me and with us. And I'll show you how we actually do it. And then you'll, it's very hard to argue then when you say, okay, actually, yeah, I just improved my ankle dorsiflexion so much quicker by actually having to focus on how the foot moves and how the ankle moves and the rear foot and all of that stuff. So you've definitely, if you're probably listening to this podcast, you've heard me talk about like keeping that ankle relaxed that front of the ankle tibialis anterior relaxed as you let the knee come forward 
that is what a lot of people are using to try and pull themselves into more dorsiflexion. And if they can keep that relaxed, then they'll get more dorsiflexion because they're not letting gravity actually pull themselves forward or help them get forward or trying to pull themselves forward. That won't, it, it certainly won't translate to how you move like through the world and walking or running or anything like that. And you'll struggle to get it to, to translate to gym, gym activities as well. Um, the reason, like the reason they have to do that and the reason you see so much tone at the front of the ankle is because a lot of the time the quads are on as well. So if we want to go into ankle dorsiflexion, we're probably going into knee flexion as well. What are the quads? They're knee extensors. So they are blocking someone from letting the knee drop forward or the, the knee bend. That means the proc, hopefully I'm not losing people now, but the proximal, the top of the shin is not actually dropping forward. So if the top of the shin isn't dropping forward, then what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and pull myself forward with the bottom of the shin, so that front of the ankle. So ideally, when we go into ankle dorsiflexion, we see the top of the shin, the top of the tibia dropping forward, which means the bottom of the shin is like the ankle down here is moving backwards relative to it. So it's like if there was a domino standing upright and I flick the top of the domino, that's the top of the shin that starts to lean forward or tip forward and the the bottom of the shin starts to move back relative to that okay so that's what we're seeing there and in that instance you will see a heel and a midfoot and a, a move and a lot of ankle dor- as much ankle dorsiflexion as you need in the other instance okay i can't let the top of the shin really drop forward my quads are on my extensors are on so now i need to fight it and i'm trying to pull the bottom of the shin i'm trying to pull using the muscles at the bottom of the shin which doesn't make sense because now we're i'm tr- i'm, I'm going to try and like it's almost like bones are bumping into each other and i'm not getting any kind of posterior glide at the at any at anything around the ankle there so i hope that makes sense so like gravity is our best flexor so the less we can fight that and the more we can let that happen the more ankle dorsiflexion will access very quickly and it will stick around because we've actually started to mobilize the bones rather than just use a ton of force to pull ourselves forward all of the time all right so uh letting the quads relax letting the knee bend letting the proximal shin drop forward letting the distal shin kind of move backwards relative to that will will in- increase knee flexion ankle dorsiflexion hip flexion as well because you'll see the you'll see the femur go into a posterior tilt then as the tibia goes into an anterior tilt so you're going to improve hip flexion knee flexion ankle dorsiflexion the movement of the calcaneus the midfoot um knee like tibial internal rotation maybe hip internal rotation all of that stuff if you do it the way i'm describing if you do it the way like it's like okay i'm just going to do a knee to wall and pull myself as hard as possible you might get like a little bit more ankle dorsiflexion but you're doing it with a ton more tension and you're going to have to use that tension all of the time to try and access that range because you haven't taught the bones how to just kind of flow into different positions so that's how i would look at it it's not that like i wouldn't I probably wouldn't use the other version. It's not that other people couldn't use the other way of doing it. I just think this is a better way. And if you're going to use it the way I'm describing, then maybe the other stuff could come first for you. Yeah, maybe now you strengthen that end range once you've taught the bones to move. But when people are limited, it's not a tissue thing. It's not because they're not strong enough. And that stuff is trying to train them to be strong or to pull themselves in harder. It's because they can't let gravity flex them. They're fighting. They have tone fighting against that all of the time and the bones can't fall into position. So letting the bones kind of gently glide and internally rotate and move and fall into those positions increases 
increases the flexions all through our lower limb rather than just fighting with with te- more and more tension all of the time. So I hope that makes sense. I hope I really didn't butcher that. Uh, that's something that probably needs a visual and like even more so it's something that when you come to our workshop, our membership site and we talk about that stuff, you actually feel it and, and it's very, very, very difficult to argue with it once you feel, okay, pronation and dorsiflexion come together and the more tension I use, the more it's a supination type of movement and I'm just going to keep getting blocked and blocked and blocked and blocked and blocked as I try and go in there. Um, okay, then the other one is related to the John Coyley episode. If I like this question, um, if instilling confidence and belief is the main thing for an athlete, then does biomechanics or the training program even matter that much? Good question. Um, so I think we said like in the, in John's episode, and it's, it's a common thing on social media now as well. And like just in general, good coaches will talk about without belief, like without buying, you're going nowhere with an athlete, right? So that's a non-negotiable. You have to have their confidence. You have to have their belief because if you don't, they're just not going to do what you say or they won't do it with any like intention or yeah, they just, they just, they just won't, they won't buy in. They won't do what you're asking them to do. So that, that's a, that's a must. But then the second part of the question, does biomechanics or the training program even matter that much once you have that belief? or that confidence i would argue yes it matter maybe matters even more and this this does frustrate me a little bit i see on social media like how important belief is people shit on biomechanics because belief is so important it's not one or the other and you're not you're never you also see people saying like oh the most important training session uh are you you the 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 training session that you regret the most is the one that you didn't do or you never you never regretted a training session that you like you don't want to train get just get in there and you'll be delighted once you're there i think i i couldn't agree disagree more with that that's a load of bullshit that take because we've all had training sessions where i guarantee you knew i'm not ready to train today i shouldn't be training i should take a risk a, a rest and in the back of your head you you know that, but what you what you end up convincing yourself is ah fuck it, I'm just going to go in and train in the gym, or I'm going to play this game, or I'm going to I'm going to um do this run or whatever it is anyway, and you end up getting injured. So like we guarantee, I have I have examples of that where I've torn a hamstring, I've had a bit of an Achilles tear. I have had like where I wrecked my knee because I knew I was not ready to train. And I convinced myself, no, I'm going to do it anyway. So like the people that say, oh, just, just, you'll never regret a training session. Bullshit. The people who get injured regret that training session. And if they don't, they're too stupid to realize that actually their body was telling them I shouldn't have trained that day. All right. So that's the first thing there. Then the belief, the belief side of it, you have to, you you do see a lot of people, a lot of coaches talking about that, how belief is more important than the training program. It's not, it's, it's not more important than the training program because here's an example for you. I'm, I'm going to train Usain Bowles, right? As he's coming up to the Olympic fight, as he's coming up to the Olympics, right? Whenever it was, let's say 10 years ago, whatever he's coming up to the Olympics and Usain Bowles 100% believes in my methods, Right. 100%. He believes in me. I have the belief. And people say the training program doesn't matter. What if I tell Usain Bolt, okay, the week of your Olympic final, the biggest race of your career, I want you to do German volume training, 10 by 10 sets, uh, 10 by 10 back squats 
every day coming up to that Olympic final. Do you, do you think he's even going to make the final? No, he's not. He's not going to be able to even win one of his heats, right? He's not going to make the final. But he did the program because he believed in me. And that might seem like an extreme example. And it is an extreme example. But he believed in me. So I wrote a program. Someone said the program doesn't matter. All that matters is belief. Guess what? He has a negative transfer now into his training. So the training program matters it just means that your belief, the, the belief that you have of an athlete, it actually makes it matter more because now they, they trust you and they will do no matter what you say, they will do it. So now you may need to make sure it's, it's, it's brilliant. It's, it's not perfect, but it's really good training program because they will buy in and they are going to do it. Okay. So I think that's so important to understand. It does frustrate me that people say the training program doesn't matter because belief is what matters. It's not. I would actually say that. The people who like you, I see athletes all of the time who don't believe in what they're, they're like their professional athletes, let's say, um, are like top level GA players and GA players. And they don't trust what their coach is giving them to do in the gym and they have to do it. And they are actually much, and honestly, they're better off half doing it because it's dog shit what they're getting some of the time. And they're smart athletes. They know this is shit and this is going to have a negative transfer into my game. So they are better off not having buy-in in that program because they, they, they don't do it. They, they do the little least amount possible to get away with it. They, they can see that the coach is kind of half watching them and they're saying, yeah, I'm doing this. It's just ticking a box. There's no intention. There's no intensity into what, what they're actually doing. So they are much better off not having belief in that program if they if if that coach is brilliant at getting buy-in and that athlete just listens to them and does what they say like those athletes have felt that already they know that that has a negative transfer across onto their game so i would say it becomes i would say the belief stuff when you understand that the training program the understanding of biomechanics becomes even more important then because if you were getting someone's belief then you have to actually deliver on what you're saying and there, it is a myth that any training will work for athletes or for anyone it is a myth it's it's a complete myth yes in fat loss it's it's the truth where any training will work like just get people moving if they're not moving at all they'll probably lose some fat yes in the pain world like not any training, but if people just aren't moving enough or they have a poor mindset, then just building confidence in their body again and getting them moving in any different way will probably yield benefits. But that's not always the case either. If you have someone with, if you have someone with like patellofemoral pain and you build belief in them that this exercise is going to help you help them and they, they have chronic knee issues and you keep telling them no like keep going keep going keep doing your leg extension keep pushing harder and harder and harder and they keep doing it like i've seen clients that i've made this mistake as well with knee with knee pain clients like some of them nasty ones they can't walk for a week after it because they're so sore they're so aggravated you try and do the wrong plyometric um activity you're trying to give them the wrong squat or something like that it will flare the hell up out of someone and guess what they had they they believed in me so they did what i said so biomechanics and training program becomes more important when you understand the beliefs of but when you have but you have to first to get anyone to do anything you have to have the belief in the buy-in so this goes back to the stuff where everyone is trying to put people in different boxes and saying okay the pain science stuff is what's most important 
the building buy-in, the communication is what's most important. The biomechanics is what, what's most important. The programming is what's most important. The whatever else, the nutrition, the recovery is what's most important. It's not. It's all of these things. And we need to be not experts at all of these things, but proficient enough at all of these things to understand how they all weave together into one program that doesn't have to be perfect but just has to have the right kind of mixture of all these things for the right person okay so that's why that's my quest at least to try and have a good enough understanding of all of these things and not just fall into one box i don't mind if people teach one of these things so if there's if i'm going to a course and it's from a pain scientist they don't need to teach me about biomechanics it's not i don't it's not that they're saying biomechanics isn't important because they teach pain science and the other way around if i'm going to teach a biomechanics course it's not that i'm saying pain science isn't isn't important because i teach the biomechanics course it's just that maybe this is the stuff that i want to teach you and maybe you can learn that other stuff from elsewhere i want to be someone who can kind of yeah i'm heavily in the biomechanics world but i'm also trying to be heavily in the communication side of it and the buy-in side of it and all that stuff so i um i don't think i don't think one thing is more important than the others to be honest and you look at any like kind of master coaches and they seem to have a uh, an unbelievable knack at blending all of these things so um so yeah i think that's my my kind of podcast for today hopefully not too long hopefully not too waffly um that was episode 30 i think so i didn't think we would get here um but we did so i hope it was helpful please let me know if you have any questions on it um don't be afraid to make sure you click follow actually on spot on spotify if you're on spotify that's the main platform that we i think i kind of promote i'm just having a look here make sure you click follow because that will give you a that'll tell you when a new episode is out and um yeah apart from that don't be don't be afraid don't be don't forget to join up on our members platform dgr interactive you can type that into your phone now and jump on there now you'll you'll basically you'll get straight into our members platform where we have all our videos and in our members community where we have just different things that we talk about and i'll answer questions and our team answers questions from people and um yeah you can you can get it sign up for the annual plan just may as well just sign up for the annual plan and a full year of support from me education for me and my team for the best price that you're going to find anywhere so dj interactive and um yeah hope you guys are all good i'm actually feeling much better now that i got that podcast not out of the way but hopefully i i articulate myself well enough for it to be worth uh, a podcast so uh yeah thanks very much talk to you guys soon